of sound. It is great to be here and to get to know a lot of you and especially to get to know your pastor, Jack. What a gracious shepherd. I want to talk to you about shepherding this morning. I was talking to a, a dear friend, Jason Laflam. Some of you may know him. He's been pastoring for almost 20 years in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. He is what I would say is the prototype, the model Upper Peninsula Uper pastor. He has served faithfully through crisis and through pain. He is a great preacher, a great leader, and he contextualizes in his area. Everyone would fear to fight him, and yet he has a tenderness and a love for his sheep. I talked to him about one month ago, and I told him about meeting Pastor Jack, and he told me, he said, Daniel, I could not do what I'm doing in ministry today if it wasn't for the ministry of Jack Nichols. He invests in I'm going to read three scripture passages to you this morning. I'm going to focus on the middle one, but I want to read the other two to get set a context to what I want to share this morning. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in Beside still waters, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You Anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And then in the New Testament, Mark chapter 6, verse 30. This is what we're going to look at this morning. Mark chapter 6, verse 30. Jesus has sent his disciples out to, to go two by two and to go and to preach the gospel and to cast out demons. And here they return. Verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went into a boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, that they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when he went ashore, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. This is Jesus. And he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, the disciples came to him and said, 
This is a desolate place. The hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy a hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups or on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people, and he divided the two fish among them all, And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up the twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. And then turn with me to John chapter 10. chapter 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them up and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge... I have received from the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you how your word always runs to Jesus. Your word always points us to Jesus, our hope and our shepherd. You know, God, this morning I pray that you would help me do what I can't do. I cannot effectively communicate your truth to your people and feed your people as you want them to be fed. And I cannot do that in a way so that they will be blessed and that your son Jesus will be magnified and glorified and shown as all glorious and beautiful to your people unless you bless it and do it. So would you take my loaves and fish to talk to you this morning about this shepherd. I want to talk to you about how God graciously shepherds his flock. 
And we see in John chapter 10, his flock is much bigger than the flock that is in this room. His flock includes people that are in Linden and Fenton and Grand Blake and Holly and the surrounding area that you don't know and I don't know. His flock includes that. And God is in the purpose and in the business by His sovereign promise and sovereign will to shepherd you and many more for His glory and for our joy and for our good. I want you to see the story of the loaves. In Mark chapter 6, 30 through 44, we see some amazing things taking place here. We see amazing things, but they may not feel amazing because you have read them over and over again throughout your years, whether they be on a flannel graph in Sunday school or they're in, in a church service year after year. You've heard these stories, but I want you to, this morning, gaze upon this passage in a way, and I pray that this morning God would help us see that God is graciously feeding and shepherding his people, and in how he feeds and shepherds his people is very special, and he includes this church, and he includes you in doing that. Let's look at the story of Mark 6, 30-44. We find Jesus, he comes and he gathers with his disciples, his apostles that have gone out, and they're doing amazing things. They're casting out demons in Jesus' name, and they return to him. He's now been with them for a long time, and they have seen him do some Amazing, astounding things. No eye had seen, no ear had heard of someone like this master. No one has seen him do these miracles, healing and raising the dead. Doing things that, speaking with wisdom and authority, that shocks all the leaders. He goes to Nazareth early in this chapter, and they can't believe this is not the carpenter from Nazareth. He can't be. And the disciples go out and they do work. And they come back, and Jesus is in the process of still teaching them what he intends to do through the disciples, and in turn through his church, because Jesus is committed as the good shepherd, the shepherd of sheep. I want you to see something very important and special here in this passage. So we find him coming, and he says, we're tired. And, and they're mobbing us. And there are times when God's people feel themselves overwhelmed with people. Jesus is human here, and he says, let's go and find a restful place, a desolate place, where we can be by ourselves and get some rest, rest, restoration, so we can be more effective in ministry. And they go, and it says that many were coming and going, and they had no leisure to eat, so they're going to find a place. They went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves, and many saw them, recognized them, followed them, whether through on ships or on land, and they came to the place where they were, and they showed up, leaving no rest for the disciples, no rest for Jesus. It says in verse 34, when he came ashore, he saw the crowd, and I want you to see this. He saw the crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so what does he do? He begins to teach them many things. I wonder what he taught them. And I, some of the things I don't wonder because I know or I have enough hints throughout Mark 
to know what he taught them. He probably sat them down and he said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is a new way of being human in this world. There's a new way of living. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are you, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are you who live in such a radical, countercultural way. In fact, you must give your life or you will lose your life. And following me, he taught them many things. He saw people. He saw them that they were with like sheep without a shepherd. They were, they were going all over. They did not know what they were going to do. In fact, we find a little bit more about what's happening from John chapter 6. That many of them were following them just because they wanted profit. They wanted a king who was going to lead them against the Roman Empire. And he comes and he's going to teach them spiritual things. He is going to shepherd them in the most important way they could ever be shepherded. But I want you to see two things. I want you to I want underground underlying all of this, the way Jesus shepherds and how he shepherds, and the implications of what that means for this church. That every one of you, there's a way in which God cares and loves you through Jesus Christ and is going to shepherd you. Shepherding you in a way that you so desperately need and sometimes don't even but in the way in which God does that shepherding, He uses you. So what we find here is something very interesting. These disciples, they get tired. It's the end of the day, and the disciples say to Him, why don't we send them away? It's getting late. There's nothing here for them to eat. There is, there is no fast food. There is nothing that they can take care of right here. They need to go and find a place to get some meat, some food, send them away. And Jesus says something to them that I want you to take note of. He answered them, you give them something to eat. I want you to think about this, because this is an important phrase that I think God is speaking and teaching His disciples, something that's an important truth, that not just pastor, the pastors that are in this church and, and the leaders of this church, or the deacons of this church, or even the Sunday school teachers of this church. He's talking about God's people. He's speaking to all his people and all his church that God intends to do something, not just by doing it himself, but actually working through his people. Jesus doesn't just look at them and say, okay, I'm going to feed them or I'm going to send them away. He looks at his disciples and says, you give them something find in the story that they struggle, they are, in fact, if you look through Mark and actually most of the Gospels, you find the disciples often being a, a, a foil. They're, they're mumbling and they are complaining, they're getting confused, they're getting tripped up on things. They're always puzzled by what Jesus is doing next. And Jesus, they say to Jesus, well, we, what do you mean? You're going to go to the market and take 200 denarii? That's one day's wage was a denarii. 200 denarii, that's not going to feed 5,000 people, by the way. You want us to take the money we have and go and feed them? Is that what you're asking us, Jesus? So Jesus says, what do you have? Go and see. Jesus knew. They go and come back and say, we have five loaves and two fish. 
What we find here is this all-familiar story where Jesus takes the bread, he takes their loaves, and he prays, and he blesses them. And he takes it, and he tells them to come, and he says to the disciples, now go, I told you to give them something to eat. You can't give them something to eat because you don't have enough to give them to eat. But here is what you could have to give them to eat. And he started to give them. And they kept giving them over and over and over again. And he fed maybe 10,000 plus people that day. That evening, he fed them on the lawn as they sat down and they gathered. And they sat down in 50s and 100 in the green grass. He sat them down and they ate. And not only did they eat so that they could be okay, it says that they were satisfied. And not only were they satisfied, they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and fish, and they had all that left over. What we see in this passage is Jesus does his ministry, his shepherding. See, what he's doing here is he's, I'm the good shepherd. I'm not going to leave them without food. I'm not going to leave them without care. I'm going to actually set them down on green grass. Do you remember when I read this? Psalm 23. What does it say? He leads me. He leads us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What? He leads me in green pastures. Here we find Jesus taking them and saying, I'm not going to let them go. I'm going to shepherd them. But the way I'm going to shepherd them is by teaching them my word and now feeding them my food. And in fact, the food that I'm going to teach to feed them is going to be something more significant than these loaves that have been multiplied by five, from five to thousands. But what I'm going to do is here, I'm going to use my disciples to feed them. And so what he does is he does something very special here that we need to take note. God feeds his people. God shepherds his people. He cares for his people. He protects his people and leads them by means of using other people, his disciples. And if you're a believer here this morning, whether you are a member or a tender or you're a first time here, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have been received him as your Savior, you're a Christian, you are a disciple of Jesus, and God intends to do an amazing thing of shepherding his people and this community and shepherding a flock that has not yet been brought in, but he is intends to do that through you, not just through Jesus doing it, but to do it through you. And I want you to see a few simple but very important truths from this passage. First, God calls us to do impossible things. You see the impossible task that Jesus told the disciples to do? They come to him and say, we got to take care of their needs, Jesus. And he says to them, you give them something to eat. That's an impossible task. Do you realize that you have been called to an impossible task as Faith and Linden? You have been called to go preach the nations, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You've been called to do that. How are you going to do that? That is an impossible task in and of yourself. You don't have enough. You don't have that ability, but you've been called to do that. You who are parents are called to so love God and so love God to your children and to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I have five kids, 12 to 4. That is a very difficult task. And I cannot change their hearts. I cannot 
so do things that I want to do in their life. God's called me to what feels like an impossible task to do something. Husbands, you are called to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And wives are called to honor and obey and respect her husband in Ephesians chapter 5. And we can't do that according to our nature in and of ourselves. How can husbands lay down their lives? We're born selfish. How do we do this impossible task? We're called to do every day, live to the glory of God, loving God and loving one another as ourselves. How in the world do we do that impossible task? Jesus called his disciples in this passage to do an impossible task. And he calls us to do an impossible task. He says, you give them something to eat. But not only do we see it, that God gives us impossible things to do, he uses the little that these people have. And he uses the little that you have. Jesus just doesn't leave it at that, and he didn't say, ah, I see, yeah, you don't have enough. Why did Jesus say, what do you have? Go and see. He's emphasizing they have very little. And they come with very little, five loaves and two fish. For if it's 5,000 men, we know it's a lot more than that. But he comes and says, what do you have but five loaves and two? say, I don't have a lot, Daniel. I don't have a lot, Pastor Jack or Jay or Wes or, or others here. I don't have a lot. I don't, what can I do? But here, God regularly does amazing works as God's people humbly come to God and say, I don't got a lot. I got this. And you said for me to do something. Here it is. Here. I have it. We see next that God has to bless for that little to be used to do impossible tasks. In this passage, we see Jesus taking that little and lifting his head up to God, his eyes up to the Lord, the Father. He cried up to the Father and he blessed it. And so, God, in our lives, as we come and say, God, I can't be the husband, the wife, the parent. I cannot be the employee at work or the, the servant at this church. Or I cannot be the, the gospel message messenger to my neighbor like I should, but I know they need, the, they need the truth of the gospel, and I need to be that friend for them. God, here's the little I have. I'm going to take this step. I'm going to give it to you, and it, for that to ever be a blessing, for that to be multiplied, for that to be used by God, he must bless it. That's just, that, that is a simple, basic truth that we see throughout Scripture. When God, when people do endeavors, God continually reminds them of their absolute dependence on Him. In fact, we could go back to the Psalms when the Psalmist, I think it's 127, where he says, Unless the Lord builds the house, he labors in vain who builds it. And unless a watchman God watches over the city. The watchman watches over in vain. Is the point that you shouldn't set watchmen over a city? You shouldn't build a city? That God just decides to bring cities and buildings just on there? No. You're supposed to build and you're supposed to watch. 
but you do it with a, such a thing that God is the necessary element in anything for it to truly be profitable. And so a pastor can preach, and a Sunday school teacher can teach, and a deacon's meeting can meet, and the church can gather, and they can plan, and they can invite, and they can have activities, and you can parent, and you can... You can love one and try to love one another in the home and pray. But unless God shows up, it's all in vain. But thankfully, thankfully, over and over and over again throughout Scripture, we see God does bless. He does work. He does multiply. He does feed. He does work through the little that we get and have. As He blesses us. And lastly, we see the importance of the obedience and faith of the disciples. That's not really highlighted here. The disciples did what they were supposed to do. They take it, and they believe it. And they gave them, and they took it, and they just, oh, here's more food. And they started delivering it to the people in the crowd. They delivered it to the thousands, and they, it says that they were satisfied. church here as you seek God's will is to, to be a light in the community. This church doesn't exist to be some club. This church exists to glorify God, to enjoy Him by taking Him to the world, to taking Him to this community, to saying we love Him. He has satisfied us. We want more people satisfied in that love. And it's found in the gospel of Jesus Christ and Him alone. And yet, I'm scared and I need help. I can't reach my neighbor by myself. God, I need your help. This passage says, you are his disciples. And God intends to shepherd you. And he intends to shepherd his church. And, he said, and that church is, as in John chapter 10 says, I have sheep that are not in this fold, but they're out there. That I'm going to bring them into this fold. And so God has got people into this community that God intends to bring into this community of faith and faith. Baptist Church, and he intends to work through your five loaves and two fish of effort that you offer humbly and obediently to God and say, God, would you use it? I will follow you. I will obey. We find the disciples doing that. But I want, I want to see, I think, the most foundational thing to all of this. I think this is an incredible principle and an inspiring truth for me as I think about ministry, and I hope it is for you. And when I say ministry, I don't mean just pulpit ministry or ministry that takes place in this church. It might take, in a, take place in a small group, takes place on, in a drive to work or for the relationships of the people that call. It might take place in the texting that you do as you minister and encouragement to one another. I believe that this passage has such great encouragement towards you that God intends to use your little to do a lot for His kingdom. And that is all because of His grace. But I think there's something really important that all of that is not very inspiring or lasting unless you get one very important truth. Very important truth. It says in this passage that Jesus came and He saw the multitudes and He was moved with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He knew that their need wasn't didn't need food. They thought they need, needed food. They didn't need food. 
They need it in a relative way, just like you and I need it in a relative way, but that's not the great point. We know in John chapter 6 that when Jesus was doing this, they were following him from the lo- for the sake of the loaves, and Jesus looked at them, and he taught them something really important. I want us to see here. It says that Jesus taught them many things. And then Jesus feeds them, and he does not let them leave, and it says that they were satisfied, and it says that when he had them sit down, had them sit down on green grass. Why did Mark write down, he sat down at green grass? It was green grass, no doubt, but why did he decide to put that little detail in? I believe he put that detail in because these apostles knew the Old Testament, and surely Jesus knew the Old Testament, and God is sovereignly bringing the whole book of the Bible together in one unified form. But what we find here is we have the great shepherd who shepherds his sheep, the sheep of Israel, and the sheep of the world that God is bringing to himself. And what we find here is the great shepherd that we found in Psalm 23. He says, I am, the, the Lord is my shepherd. And that's Jesus. Therefore, I will be satisfied. I shall not want anything. Because I'll be satisfied. I won't lack anything. Here's Jesus feeding them, and they lacked everything. For you and I to be able to be the type of people that are energized by this truth, the fact that Jesus uses his people, and, and he uses us to take, God, I don't have much. I have this five, these five loaves, these two fish. That's all I have. You told me to do something impossible. I can't do it myself. But God, would you just so use it? Will you bless it? And I just trust you to do the rest. For us to be motivated and truly changed to be able to do that, we must first have been shepherded by this great shepherd. What I mean by that is just like we get our needs met every once in a while and cared for. And that's really important. As we come to him and he feeds us and he cares for us and he comes and ministers to us, answering our prayers and meeting our needs at the very deepest part of our lives when we're hurting or when we're happy. But I'm talking about salvation. Jesus is on the scene because he has uh, he has a sheepfold that are like sheep that have gone astray. They have turned to their own way. And Jesus is going to be the great shepherd who becomes a sheep whom the Lord lays upon him the iniquity of his flock. Jesus is that shepherd. And the reason why he can feed those sheep, those sheep that are, stay, are, are in the thousands that day in Galilee, the reason why he can feed them and minister to them and then be satisfied, and for it to mean so much more as this is being going to be written down for our day in our ear to have our lives changes because Jesus knows that he's going to go to the cross and he's going to be a shepherd who becomes a sheep who is going to be slaughtered because all that we like sheep have gone astray and he's going to return us to our way. He's going to do it by going into temptation and not failing. To going to the cross and bearing all our iniquities the iniquity of all us wandering sheep. And he's going to 
to lay all upon us and fulfill all God's righteousness and all God's ways and, and declare us clean. And he's going to raise from the dead. He is the great shepherd who lays down his life for a sheep. That is the type of shepherding that I need that is foundational for me to have any other need in my life now. It's for me to know that as I go into life and ministry, I know that he did that, not for some sheep that was trying to reform himself, and he just met God halfway, but God came and said, you're an enemy, you're ungodly, you're mine. I lay down my life for you. And it is that type of sheep that becomes follower of that shepherd that becomes used by God, joyfully transformed by God, that says, I want everybody part of that shepherding. Because I have it. I'm free. I don't I don't give my five loaves and two fish because I have to, because then God will God will I'll feel more fulfilled or more blessed. No, I, I want to because He just He gave me everything. I'm filled already. I'm saved. I've been declared righteous. When, when I was an enemy, he made me a friend. He declared me, the ungodly, to be godly. So when God looks at me, he sees me as clean, even though I'm still wrestling with my own sin. He forgives me. And so I have been shepherded. And so in that, I can shepherd others. I want you to see that shepherding. I want you to feel afresh that shepherding. And so for, I know so for most of you shepherd and he has forgiven you. He has rescued you. And his becoming a sheep have been, has been to your benefit because you by faith have trusted in him. But if you're here this morning and you haven't come to him, because he intends to do that, no other, no other thing matters. You could wrestle through your life saying, God, help me. But if he hasn't come and truly helped you in this way, taking away your sin, and that is the foundation of all else. And it's from that of going out. You as Faith Linden and the leadership here as you seek a shepherd and as you seek a pastor, you're out there going, God, we have a mission. Having been shepherded by you to bring everyone into that shepherding. The shepherding of our Jesus. The shepherding of our soul. The shepherding the great shepherd who laid down his life and took it up again. That charge in the sea. So, Father, I pray. Oh, God, I do pray that you would so deeply impact me and your people in this shepherd. We need you to impact us and speak to us again what Jesus has done for us. Yes, he meets our needs. Yes, he's the all-powerful one that can turn five loaves into thousands of loaves, can do miracles. But oh, we need more than just a miracle worker in that way. We need the cleanser of our soul, and we thank you that we have it in Jesus. We are to bring that Jesus to others, and I pray that we would do it, having been freshly joined, joined your shepherd. Satisfied.